Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Devils fans, we are very excited to welcome on our first guest of the offseason. I told you guys that we are going to have a lot of different guests coming on this podcast throughout the offseason, talking about all different things involving your New Jersey Devils. And our first guest today is a very good friend of mine who I've gotten to know while working with Sports Wire Radio. It is with great pleasure that we welcome on a big Devils fan like myself, Mr. Justin Gianelli. Justin, first and foremost, how are you doing today, my friend? Neil, I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. No problem, man. Thanks for coming on and spending some time with us. So, the first question that I like to ask a lot of my guests, especially when I got, you know, other fans like yourself on here is how did you become a fan of the New Jersey Devils? Well, for one, it didn't hurt that the Meadowlands was literally right in my backyard, um, you know, being, you know, within five minutes of uh, then known, known as Continental Airlines Arena. And then the uh, job, the job my mom worked for actually had a company suite. Uh, at the Continental Airlines Arena, so they'd occasionally get tickets. And when mm-hmm. I was young, I used to go to games. Uh, I would say around the first time I went to games was the was actually the 99-2000 season. Okay. So um, I went to a couple of games that year, and that really got me into watching hockey. And it, that's kind of how I became a Devils fan. They were, the first, they were the first – they were local, A, B, and B, they were the first hockey team I watched. So, you know, that that's kind of what got me into it. And – it didn't hurt that they won the Stanley cup that year. Um, you know, and you know, they had, they had a hall of fame goaltender in the midst of a run and a great core of players, including Danico and Stevens and Niedermeyer. So, you know, that, that really drew me into becoming a devil's fan for sure. I love that because again, it's, it's always interesting to talk to devil's fans and people who have, you know, involvement with the team as to how they became a fan of the team and, you know, what their backstory is. And that's, and hell, you got involved with the devils at a pretty good time, considering that uh, that was during it, that was basically in the middle of their uh, championship run, their, their run of dominance and a lot of success in the national hockey league. So that is, um, that is very, very cool. Now, the next question that I have for you, Justin, is this as a fan and be as honest as you possibly can be. When you look at the last decade of Devils hockey between when we got bounced in the Stanley Cup finals in, in game six against L.A. to now, what is your overall feeling? Because we've talked about this a couple of times, you know, on social, but give the, the listeners a little bit of an idea from a fan's perspective, how you are feeling about how the Devils have been over this past decade. Uh, I think it could easily be stated as frustrated, you know, and it, but it goes to show you and, and you look around the NHL. Now you look at the postseason, you, you look at uh, these goaltenders that could win games. Mm-hmm. And we as devil fans were very fortunate for 20 plus years 
that Marty Brodeur was back there in net. And, you know, they have not been able to replace Marty Brodeur. You know, there was all, there was a lot of hype about bringing in Corey Schneider. And, you know, when he, when he was healthy, Corey Schneider was pretty solid, but health was always an issue. And then, you know, we, we have a young kid in Mackenzie Blackwood Mm -hmm. performs well when healthy can't stay on the ice. So it's really been a revolving door in net for the devils. I mean, they look, they started, I believe seven different goaltenders this season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you can never make the playoffs, you know, with that formula. So, right. I mean, to, to state it, it's been, in a, it's been a frustrating last decade. I mean, the only, I mean, the only reason why the Devils have one playoff appearance is because they, as Taylor Hall carried the team that season. He won the Hart Trophy, uh, deservedly so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were, they were no match for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I, they – haven't had that sustained success and obviously they finally went through a regime change you know after all Mm -hmm. those years you know Lou Lamorello moved out of the front office you know into a new voice you had Ray Shiro had some okay moves uh, some frustrating moves and then now you have Tom Fitzgerald who you know coincidentally enough was his was his assistant right and is now you know is now the full-time GM so I guess you see like there's a little bit of stability and a little bit of hope going forward but you know, you you get spoiled watching the team go to the playoffs every year in the early 2000s to, the, you know, pretty much up until 2012. I think they'd only missed like one playoff appearance in like almost 20 years mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, the year after the Stanley Cup finals. Right. It's it's obviously been a difficult decade. So, you know, here's, here's to hoping that this is the start of something with a lot of the young core that they have on this current roster. And folks, you can you can tell by you know the, the way Justin was talking about. Again, it is very frustrating, and you guys all know from listening to my episodes over the last couple of years how not only frustrating but how aggravating um, this team has made a lot of Devils fans. I mean, I never thought we'd get to the point where people would literally be wearing paper bags at games. I mean, I've seen that in other sports, I've seen it with other teams, but you never think that it could get to that bad. Um, with your own team. And uh, I think this year proved in a lot of ways that uh, there's still a lot of things that need to change, that need to improve moving forward in order for this team to really truly get back to a level that they were at when they were constantly making the playoffs and competing for Stanley Cups. And kind of staying on that topic, Justin, out of all the things that have, you know, what whether, you know, in one way or another, have frustrated uh, Devils fans and frustrated the organization and and, uh, prevented them from doing things in order to become more successful. What is the one thing, in your opinion, that you feel like is the biggest black eye or biggest problem with the Devils organization as a whole? Well, nobody's going to like this answer because it's it's the one answer that really can't change. It starts with ownership. Honestly, it starts with ownership. I just don't feel like ownership gives you that urgency of winning. You know, mm-hmm. they, you know, they don't seem concerned about the low attendance numbers. They don't seem concerned that the team is constantly at the bottom of the standings. Um, you know, and this is, this is a group, an ownership group that, you know, co- also co-owns the Philadelphia 76ers. And if I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw a, Blitzer get, trying to get involved in another franchise. 
Yeah, um, Joshua Harris and uh, Blitzer were involved in acquiring um, the Cleveland Guardians in Major League Baseball. Um, I believe they also have um, ownership to some degree of Crystal Palace in uh, English Premier Soccer. They almost were able to purchase Manchester City, apparently. So as I've mentioned before numerous times, Justin, that this ownership group doesn't have one singular focus. It's more of a focus on their entire brand as a whole. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and it's hard to own multiple. It's hard to own multiple sports franchises. Now, one person who's doing it successfully, and it's it's evidenced by a what they're doing in the NHL playoffs, and mm-hmm. b what his team just did by winning the Super Bowl, and that's Stan Kroenke. Mm-hmm. Now, Stan Kroenke owns both the Nuggets and the Avalanche, right? And he also owns the Los Angeles Rams. The Nuggets were a playoff team. They're a consistent playoff team year after year. Um, the Colorado Avalanche are, are the prohibitive favorite to win not just the Western Conference, but the Stanley Cup. Right. You know, you could argue maybe Florida or Tampa, but could. and the L and the LA Rams just won the Super Bowl. So mm. I mean, it, it's it really is difficult to own multiple franchises. It just goes to show you that what he's doing is so amazing and makes it that much harder on a franchise that doesn't do a lot of investing in their you know, in their organization to, to see a, a clear path going forward. Yeah, and I think ownership is definitely something that a lot of us have been frustrated with and have talked about numerous times. Um, you know, the, the only positive that you can say is that they have shown, at least in recent times, that they are willing to spend a pretty decent amount of money considering the money they gave Nico Hisho in his extension, the same thing with Jack Hughes, and the money that they gave to Dougie Hamilton. Now, right. Tom Fitzgerald spoke about when he was talking with Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic a couple months ago about he does want to make another big splash in free agency. Now, whatever, whoever that might be, whatever position we're talking about is going to probably end up requiring a lot of money. And as I checked this out earlier today, the Devils have about $25 million in cap space before any re-signings or anything like that. And that includes guys like, you know, restricted free agents, Miles Wood and Jesper Bratt. So, Obviously, the Devils will still have a pretty hefty chunk of cap space to use for a team that has their core set and is uh, looking to strike um, and really begin that, you know, playoff slash championship um, window. But again, and that, includes, and that includes Subban coming off the books, right? Exactly. Yes. Subban yeah. is off the contract, is off the books now, you know, with the nine million dollars. That's why the cap space for the Devils skyrocketed so much all of a sudden, because again, that, the, the Subban contract of $9 million AAV for the last couple of years is now off the, uh, off the uh, table. And it, it's kind of impressive from Tom Fitzgerald's perspective to still be able to acquire, you know, a high end talent like Dougie Hamilton, despite still having to pay Subban uh, well right. over $9 million. So that, that give that uh, a lot of credit certainly goes to him. But uh, yeah, obviously the Devils do need to continue to make improvements goaltending wise. I certainly think top six scoring. I think they need to add an impact player. And I'd like to see them take care of Jesper Bratt too. And yeah, and I think that Jesper Bratt is probably the number one priority going into the offseason. I think that's something that Fitzgerald is going to probably try to get done sooner rather than later so that he can focus on everything else. Plus the Devils also have the second overall pick going into the draft. So it adds another opportunity to either trade the pick to get an impact player or to just draft another elite player to have in your farm system to just continue to build that long-term. Now, the next question I have for you, Justin, is one that um, 
it's kind of people's opinion has kind of gone up and down with this. There are people that have defended it and then there are people that have not. But I wanted to get your take because I, I think we've talked about it a little bit. What is your overall feeling about uh, number one, Lindy Ruff coming back for a third season as the Devils head coach and also the Devils, instead of firing the whole staff, just firing uh, assistants uh, Mark Recchi and Elaine Nazardine. Um, I was a little bit surprised and I was a little bit disappointed. I, th I thought it was time for a different voice in the coaching room altogether. So I, I felt like it was better to completely clean house than just do it halfway. And I feel like this is kind of just ripping a Band-Aid off. Now, you could you could say that it was time for Mark Recchi and Elaine Nazardine to move on. I mean, you know, Recchi was in charge of the special teams, and yeah. the special teams was absolutely dreadful all season long. I mean, it might have been one of the worst power plays I think I've ever seen in NHL history. It was pretty but, bad. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Tom Fitzgerald still has belief that Lindy Ruff is the right voice for these players. Yep. Um, the, the, you know, there have been players who you know came out vocal in support of Lindy Ruff. So, I mean, they're, they're willing to run it back one more time, at least with Lindy, and, you know, maybe put some, some coaches who could really help the special teams and uh, a better assistant coach. I mean, I mean, Elaine Nazardine's been through the ringer. You know, he, he took over, um, I believe it was when they fired John Hines. Uh, uh, well, Elaine Nazardine or Lindy Ruff? Yeah, Nazardine. Nazareth, yeah, Nazardine took over as the interim. As the interim, um, and then he stayed, he stayed, he stayed on the staff when they hired Correct. Lindy Ruff. Yep. So he he's really been through the ringer over the last couple of years. But mm -hmm. um, I think it's just time for a, a couple of some fresh voices. And you know, I would have liked to have seen a whole staff change. But you know, if they, if they believe in Lindy, then you know, then then at least the organization has like his back. Yeah, I think you. I think that's. That's a very, very fair way to look at it because, again, even throughout the regular season, there were a lot of Devils fans out there that were either go, you know, when you go on Devils Twitter, you could see it. There, there are people that were defending Lindy Ruff and saying that it's unfair the amount of adversity that Ruff has had to deal with in just the two years he's been here. Um, but at the same time, the job of a coach is to put the team in the best position to succeed, regardless of who's on the ice. And sometimes I wondered if the team just kind of tuned him out or they gave up on him, and they would, you know, they would just completely collapse and it would be, and usually I would notice it either when we're already getting killed as the game starts, like not even five minutes in, it's already two nothing, or we have a big time lead or a relatively big lead. And we just, we can not even slowly, we can just steadily see it falling apart and Lindy Ruff not doing anything. I go back to the game against Florida late in the season. That, that, that's, up, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Right. We're up by four goals in the third period. And I think, we, it, was, I think it was six, two to start the third, It was six to two to start the, the third period. And we completely collapsed and Lindy Ruff did nothing to stop it. He didn't call a timeout. He didn't do anything. He just allowed it to happen. And it was one of those games where it was one of the many games, honestly, where you wonder to yourself, how in the world does Lindy Ruff keep his job after this? Right. And especially when you end the season on a six game losing streak, you go, Oh, five and one in the last six games and yeah. things like that. It, it's, it's very head scratching in a way that Lindy Ruff stays on. And you look at the potential options for head coach in this offseason, Barry Trotz, Kind of a pretty big surprise that he was let go by yep. the by the Islanders. Paul Maurice, who, you know, granted, he wanted time away from the game. Maybe he still wants to come back at some degree. 
uh, Pete DeBoer, who did coach the Devils, and I'm not the biggest fan of because of his system after a while gets very stale and doesn't have long-term success. Um, Trust is, me, we've all had our issues with Pete DeBoer at times. Right, exactly, exactly. Devils fans, Sharks fans, and Golden Knights fans can all attest to this to the Pete DeBoer um, experiment. And obviously there are other guys out there that we, we did not mention, um, assistant coaches and things like that that could be like that. But it, it seems like that uh, Tom Fitzgerald wants to live and die by Lindy Ruff, which to me is, I think, somewhat of a mistake because I, I as I've mentioned before several times, now that Lindy Ruff is definitely coming back and Fitzgerald, you know, made that decision, I think both of their jobs are on the line going into the 2022-2023 season because oh, yeah. ownership has talked about several times they want to start winning. And the Devils, not only have they not won, they haven't gotten close, as we know, as we all know. Fourth right. overall pick last year, second overall pick this year. I mean, we're not even, we're out of it by January. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I think they had like the fourth or fifth best odds going in. So they like they had like the fourth or fifth fewest points. They had the fifth best odds going into the so draft they had the, lottery last So they had week. the fifth fewest points in the entire league, which right. goes to show you how far away. I mean, I mean, they were they were a good 30 to 35 points out of mm-hmm. the last playoff spot. I mean, that's that's just unacceptable. That that's a quarter of the season. Exactly. And uh, again, look, there were things that went out that were out of the devil's control after a while when, you know, how do you how do you constantly bounce back from having to play seven different goaltenders throughout the season? I mean, we started the year with Blackwood and Jonathan Bernier. We ended the season with John Gillies and Andrew Hammond. I mean, that's that right there tells you a lot. And while I would say the core is definitely improved, I mean, we had four different 20 goal scorers, which I don't even remember the last time we we had that type of success. There is still uh, room for improvement, and we have yeah. guys in the in the farm system. And there's also availability for you know top notch talent in free agency and even in trades. And um, like I've said before, I fully expect Tom Fitzgerald to be relatively active this offseason. He has to be. He has to. And he's talking a big game. Well, he's got to back it up, and he's got to do everything he can to give Lindy Ruff everything he needs possible to get this team into the playoffs. Did, we can't, the Devils can't even finish a point or two out of the playoffs next season. It has to be, they have to be one of the final 16 teams uh, when the regular season is over next year. Yeah, because they Damon Severson said in his end of the season presser, the rebuild is over. Well, the only way to determine that, the only way to prove that is to get into the playoffs and say, we are no longer at it. Look at the LA Kings. The LA Kings have made it clear that their rebuild is over, that now they have their core ready. They made the playoffs and went seven games with Edmonton. That's very, very impressive. The Rangers, they didn't necessarily rebuild. I would say that they more retooled considering the moves that they made. But still, they got back into the playoffs. They came back from 3-1 against Pittsburgh, and now we're, now we're in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But, so, but look at but look, but you, the two teams you just mentioned, what's a common theme? Goaltending. That's the, true. The Rangers very have true. a young a young star in, in Igor Shosturkin. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Quick, in certain games, turned back the clock. I mean, he, he might be 36 years old, and that might be a position of need for them within the relative near future. But they do have a young core that still will go. I know Dustin Brown's retiring, but you know, still have Andrzej Kopitar. You'll and remember they they played seven games without Drew Doughty. Right. They're their best defenseman. So mm-hmm. I mean, what Todd McClellan did to go toe-to-toe with Edmonton and be that close. I mean, they were in it all game. They were down. Right. The first they only goal came lost late in the second. Nothing in that game. Exactly. So 
I mean, it just goes to show you exactly what the Devils need to get to that spot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people could say both the Rangers and the Kings arrived a year early. That's you know, and, and, the, and the Rangers had this monster regular season. The Kings had a really good regular season, but both teams, you could say, they arrived a, a bit, they arrived a year early. I think that's a very fair point. And um, I think when we look at the Devils, it's they can't even arrive um, a year too early. This has to next year has to be that year. I think the rest of the league is probably expecting that as well. I mean, we've heard it throughout the year about all oh, the future is very bright with the Devils. Look at what they've been able to build. They're building a juggernaut. And it's like, well, when does the future become the present? You know what I mean? Like, when does right. it when do we stop talking about what could potentially be looking ahead? Instead, instead, start focusing on what do we have now and what can we do to win now? And I think that the Devils have to find ways to win games next season that maybe they're not expected to win because that's going to be, to me, the difference between them getting into the playoffs and not. And as I said last year, as I said at the end of this season, and I'll say it again, I'm not going to get hopeful or super excited about this team, regardless of who's on it, until it's February and we're still fighting for a playoff spot. That's the way that I look at it. I can't, you can't get excited in November when we're seven, three and two and start thinking that this team is different than any other year only to, by the time we hit January, the season is over and we're just, we're just going through the motions. So I think that there's still a lot to be desired. There still is a lot of things that need to change uh, moving forward. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN to bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets. No matter what, that's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, Justin, over the weekend, uh, or actually earlier this week and also on the weekend, we got two uh, bits of news that involved the New Jersey Devils, one involving their um, their president and also one involving their longtime play-by-play voice. The first one is uh, Hugh Weber stepped down as president of HBSE. Um, from my sources, I can only say just from my sources that it sounded like it was a discontent between Hugh Weber and the ownership group that Hugh Weber wanted to really, really start winning and that HBSE was more in, more patient with it. And then Hugh got discouraged by whatever conversation he had and ultimately decided to leave. Um, so there's that. And then the news that kind of rocked the devil's world uh, was Steve Cangelosi announcing, well, more or less the devil's, with in conjunction with Steve Cangelosi, that Cangelosi would no longer be the play-by-play voice on MSG for the New Jersey Devils. He would stay on on MSG for the Red Bulls, I think, for the remainder of the season. And I think there's the very likely possibility that he may just end up retiring altogether or doing more nationally televised 
soccer games because he is very well liked on ESPN doing Major League Soccer. Um, so this is kind of a two-parter question for you, Justin. First and foremost, how do you think uh, Hugh Weber resigning, I guess we could put it that way, affects the team overall and affects the organization? Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's it's very concerning to hear that ownership's a little more patient about the whole winning when Hugh Weber seemed to seem to be very adamant that, hey, this team needs to start winning. Because he's right, this team needs to start winning. We just mm-hmm. we just went over for like the last 10 minutes that you know this this team has to make the playoffs next year. Uh, no matter what you think of what the roster is at this moment, Devils have to find their way into the in the postseason. So that goes back to my point before of how much does ownership really care about winning, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the, and you know, how they fill the, you know, how they fill the role, you know, who they put in that position. Right. You know, I'm not sure, but you know, let's go. It's, it's time to start moving yeah. forward. So uh, I, that, that, that concerns me a lot that mm-hmm. there's a disconnect between a, a pre, an outgoing president who said this team needs to start winning and an ownership who said, well, Let's wait and see a little bit more. Let's be a little patient. So well, they do that, have the 76ers, so maybe they feel like the trust the process thing is still. Yeah, but how long are we going to trust the process for? Right, exactly. Um, and two, exactly. you said it best. I mean, it was a, it was a shock to hear at Steve Cangelosi stepping down. You know, yeah. he's been the voice for the last 11 years. You heard him on pre and post games as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when Doc Emmerich was still doing the games, you know, I didn't fill in for Doc. But I don't, you know. You know, we'll we'll see what direction they go in with that. But you know, it's definitely a shock. You know, I'm going to miss him. I like, you know, he he always brings great energy to the game, and you know, he's he's always been a terrific announcer. So mm-hmm. you know, I wish him the best. But you know, we'll see where the Devils go from here um, with the MSG telecasts. You know, the whole thing about Hugh Wepper stepping down is concerning because if you remember last year, Scott O'Neill, who was involved with HBSE, also. Uh, step down right um last season and then now you have Hugh Weber stepping down this year and so there there seems to be in a way some not some but a, a decent amount of uh instability within the organization now how much does that affect the New Jersey Devils it may not affect them as much as maybe we all think um right. but you know again the way that the organization has been run we kind of catastrophize literally anything that we get notified of um so that could be that certainly is a concerning thing, and we'll see what the Devils decide to do uh, with regards to that to that uh, vice president role. I believe Jake Reynolds is still um, is still with the Devils at this he moment, is, yes. as far as I know. So Jake Reynolds is still yeah. there. Um, and then you talk about Kanji. I mean, again, I think it's easy to say for Devils fans that we've been spoiled for the last thirty plus years with Doc doing it for so long, and then we have a almost a seamless transition from Doc to Kanji for the next was, eleven years. Yep. And now we're in a situation where another part of that old era has kind of come to an end. From brought even from a broadcasting standpoint, it's mm-hmm. obviously not going to affect the doubles on the ice by any means. Right. It will certainly mean that uh, that we're going to be hearing a completely different voice. Uh, I believe Ken Danico is still going to be uh, the color. Um, analyst, uh, right. but it is kind of interesting to see what the Devils decide to do um, moving forward and what they decide for that. Um, I be- I firmly believe that this was more of Kanji's decision than the Devils. I think Kanji probably notified the Devils towards the end of the season that he was going to do this, and they wanted to uh, just wait till the season ended and kind of everything the dust settled and then kind of 
um, make that uh, announcement public. And uh, again, comes as a surprise and certainly yeah. somewhat, not a disappointment, but kind of a sad thing of like, okay, again, we are really moving into a new era of devil's hockey with, you know, new announcers, um, you know, different people now working with the new organization, new players, just a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, I know that there are people that also don't like Kanji for, for, for how he broadcasted. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. 100%. Yep. Uh, I will certainly miss Kanji and, and, uh, Justin, and I definitely wish him nothing but the best moving forward. Agreed. And, uh, we're all looking forward to seeing who the devils decide to bring. Well, not the devils. Cause it's not really their decision more or less. It's more of uh Madison square garden network right. to make that decision. Um, and my guess is that they probably already have somebody in place or have one in mind, but probably you know, we may not know until a couple of months from now, who knows? I think there's still, again, we are still into the early stages of the off season. We're only right. into the second round of the Stanley cup playoffs. A yep. lot of things are still going on from the 21, 22 season. We're not the NHL fully is not into 2022, 23 until probably, um, I'd say given a month and a half, you know, once the Stanley Cup finals goes through and we're into the NHL draft and things like that. So, yeah, again, the devil's continuing to uh, grab some headlines, um, so to speak. Now, Justin, my last question for you, my friend, and, and again, thank you so much for coming on here today. We, we really appreciate it. It's simply this. Absolutely. What is your message to the devil's organization at this point? When you look at what where the team has gone the last decade, where it's gone even the last couple of years, knowing what the expectation should be moving forward. What do you tell ownership, uh, general manager standpoint, coaching, player? What do you tell the entire Devils organization going into next season um, to get to, to really get your point across? I think they just have to figure out uh, stability. Uh, and I'm not, and I'm talking about on the ice. And I mean, it start and it starts with the goaltender. I mean, like I said, you look around these playoffs, you look, you look at the goaltenders that are left. You have Igor Shosturkin. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Freddie Anderson will return tonight and, you know, and start for the hurricanes. If not, mm-hmm. you know, anti Ranta is a solid backup. I mean, you have, you know, you have teams that have solid goaltending and, yep. you know, Tampa has, Vas- has Vasilevsky and um, Florida, Sergei Bobrovsky. All these teams that are left have really solid goaltending. The only team left that you probably argue is shaky goaltending is Edmonton. Mm-hmm. You know, with, Mike, with Mike Smith, I don't fully trust Mike Smith. But right. the playoffs are about having great goaltending. And mm-hmm. the Devils should know that all too well because of what Marty Bordor provided this franchise, taking this team to five Stanley Cups winning three of them, you know, countless playoff appearances. So you need to build your structure inside out. The D the decor has gotten better. You know, you added, you added Dougie Hamilton and Ryan Graves. They provided, you know, really good support for the, for the defense last year. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you'll have to replace PK Subban and, you know, there's a lot of young players coming up through the farm. I mean, I, I mean, clearly the devils have a decent farm system. Utica's in the playoffs. Right. So game five I mean, on Thursday. Yeah. So I mean, there, sure. there's there's clear there's clearly talent within the organization. So it's time to manifest that at the at the top level. It's time mm-hmm. to manifest that at the NHL level. 
it's time to, you know, bring in, you know, whether they use the free agency for a top end goaltender or trade for the goaltender mm-hmm. or, you know, vice versa, trade for a forward and sign, you know, sign a goal. Who knows? Yeah. But again, you need to have that stability in net. You know, we thought going into last season that they'd have that because we were all excited about the Jonathan Bernier signing because it was a veteran NHL backup who, you know, could go in there and win some games. Right. Well, you get, he gets hurt. Right. You know, and, and Mackenzie Blackwood wasn't fully, you know, healthy from that hip mm-hmm. injury. And, and that's the other thing. You got to figure out where he's at physically, you know, because he's, he's good when he's on the ice, but he's not been able to stay healthy. So, I mean, it's really just, if you're the devil's or ownership, if you're the front office, like Tom Fitzgerald, you got to look around the league. You got to yeah. look at, you got to look at the playoffs and you got to look at what teams are doing mm-hmm. and why, and why they got there. So, I mean, I think that's my biggest message. Well, I absolutely love it, Justin. I think you nailed a lot of, a lot of things on the head, man. And, uh, Again, before we let you go, I do this with all my guests. Uh, let the folks at home know where they can find you um, and anything you got going on and, uh, you know, to get some more people to uh, listen to your content, man. So the floor is yours. Thanks, man. So uh, my personal Twitter, it's usually what I use to engage in social media, at JGNLE12. Um, I more so talk about uh, baseball. I have a baseball podcast, Baseball Banter. Uh, at B-Ball Banter SM is the Twitter page for that. So that's really um, where you can connect with me. Um, on my personal Twitter, we could talk all sports, especially NHL, talk about the Devils, the rest of the rest of the NHL playoffs, mm-hmm. which I've been all over. So, you know, it's uh, it's a good time. Hopefully next year at this time, you know, we're talking about a Devils game. Right. Yeah, so that's what it needs to be. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, Justin, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. We really appreciate it. And we will definitely have you on again um, in the future here on the podcast. But again, thank you so much uh, for doing this, man. We appreciate it. Neil, thank you for having me.